What's going on, everybody? RJ Ochoa here from SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. Hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and we're excited for another BTB Roundtable. We do these every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Central Time here on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel to interact with you. We know some of you love to watch live and participate along in the comments. If you can't watch along live, you can always rewatch it. Of course, here on our YouTube channel, please do subscribe, or you can listen on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. As it is a roundtable, we have put together a cast of the most talented talented people really in the world. Today, we have Tony Catalina from bloggingtheboys.com and the Blogging the Boys podcast. Now, you can hear him on our morning update show, Cowboys Roundup, on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So you'll hear his audio stylings tomorrow morning. Tom Ryle is with us, as always, at uh, at Tom Ryle BTB on Twitter. Tony is at Tony underscore Catalina. Tom writes incredible articles, just gives us all sorts of education on a number of different things. You can hear him on Riled Up every Thursday on the podcast network. And with us today... Uh, frankly, is the smartest man alive. It is Aiden Davis from bloggingtheboys.com making his BTB roundtable debut on Twitter at Aiden1214. We have learned not his birthday, but we have also learned a number of great things about him and from him. Aiden, we start with you. Welcome to the roundtable. The Dallas Cowboys are 6-1. and one. Thank you. It's good to have me. Yep. Did not expect us to be 6-1 and one after last Sunday, but it's full of fun surprises, so... Uh, Aiden, you had, uh, up until last Sunday, correctly, based on historical research, predicted that the Cowboys defense would generate two turnovers a game uh, from here on out to the regular season. They did not generate a single one against the Minnesota Vikings in their 20-16 to victory. They'll have to make up for it somewhere down the line. But if I had told you the Cowboys would lose the turnover battle two to nothing um, and that they would have won, I think you would have said that that would have had to have been a game that Dak Prescott was flawless in, something like 400 yards and four touchdowns to carry the Cowboys to victory, but Dak clearly not capable of doing what Cooper Rush did on Sunday night. It's not not even the turnover margin. You're penalized 96 yards and you're only points. They're really, like, if you just look at it on paper, there wasn't a lot going for us, but the defense showed up. It was an amazing to watch, so. Good times. We're we're going to break it all down. We do have some people in the stream with us. Tony Peters, Tom, joining us from North Carolina, I assume. Maybe NC stands for, um, I was going to say Nova Scotia. That wouldn't have been correct, though. I don't know how to read. Uh, Mike joins in, says, sup, Cowboys fam. Shout out from South Padre Island, Texas. Go Cowboys. Growing up in the Rio Grande Valley, I've told people this my entire life. We just called it the island. You know, like all these other people from all over the place call it South Padre or Padre, but we just call it the island. Because, you know, it belongs to us. Tom, have you ever heard it referred to as the island? Tom, you're muted. Let's, Oops, let's I'm, mute, I'm muted when I meant to. Yeah, just now I heard it. <laughs> Coming from your own lips there. Uh, I may get a shot to go down there uh, around Christmas time. I'm waiting to find out. But, um, yeah, you know, it's it, this, is a, this is really wild. Uh, Aiden actually brought up a couple of the things I dug up in my uh, little look at the stats for the Cowboys, which should be going up tomorrow. You know, the penalties, um, the 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 turnover margin, and and just the field position. Dallas had crappy field position all game long. Their best starting field position was the 32 yard line, and the uh, the Vikings had four drives that started closer to the Dallas goal line than that during the game so it wasn't just an outstanding offensive performance it was an incredible job by the defense too 
I agree. And what's more, Tom, is the Vikings actually began three different possessions with 60 or less yards to go against the Cowboys, only netted three total points from all three of those possessions combined. You just hate to see it. Tony, let's see here. We, uh, Tony, uh, not you, Tony Catalina, Tony Peters has confirmed that it is North Carolina. Kenneth says Cowboys from Washington, D.C., enemy lines behind enemy lines, really living in enemy lines, so to speak. Uh, DFW says hello from McKinney. That is up near Aiden's home neck of the woods michael says hello from toronto so not just america's team people north america's team um and kenneth wants us all to know i am a diehard dallas fan as you are tony catalina did you anticipate tony feeling this good you know on on tuesday afternoon because i gotta be honest tony in our slack channel that we have um you know on staff you were kind of chicken little more than anybody else about cooper rush starting you were really freaking out I, yeah, I was um I was not in a good mental place. I'll tell you that. I, I was refreshing all, the Twitter. All weekend long, it was Tony just sending the latest updates. I don't feel good. This doesn't feel great. This is bad. This is this is yeah. this is I'm not feeling it. Sunday morning, all I bet you didn't enjoy the red zone channel at all Sunday, Tony. You were a mess. No, it, I, I remember just like the the wind be like I think I said it in the group chat, like the wind is out of my sails. Like when when he got announced, I was over analyzing his workout. I was refreshing my Twitter feed to see if Dak was gonna play. And I just <laughs> when when they when him and uh and Britt Brown and they uh embraced each other, I was like, that's a positive sign. But little do we know, I was like, Hey, you're not playing this week, man. And I overanalyzed it and read that wrong. And I'm glad to be wrong. I am one hundred percent excited and happy to be wrong. Well, uh, the Dallas Cowboys do sit at six and one. They proved Tony wrong. They proved a lot of us wrong. Uh, they proved most people wrong who didn't believe in Cooper Rush. And that's kind of what they have done all season. They believed in Terrence Steele when none of us did. Aiden, you worked up a graph at the time in terms of options the Cowboys had at right tackle. We were all talking about should Zach Martin kick out. People were even getting creative saying Connor Williams should kick out. Let Connor McGovern play left guard. I mean, people really really doubted the Cowboys, but they were proven right on the Terrence Steele situation. They were proven right, albeit the sample size is microscopic when it comes to Cooper Rush, Tony. Um, So our first question, Tony, Aiden, excuse me, I'm all over the place. Aiden, the question is to you first. Um, How long had it been since the Cowboys won a game like this for you where, you know, they they proved you wrong in, yeah, because they prove us wrong a lot, but in, in, in a really, you know, impressive way, you know, that they were able to kind of just say, hey, trust us and it worked out i think the last time i was more confident in a cowboys loss and they ended up winning would have been maybe 2018 against the saints that was the thursday Mm. night football game when they came in as massive underdogs upset the saints but even then i kind of left that game feeling like they got away with one like they'd stolen a victory when they really shouldn't have so a game, a convincing win. The last time the Cowboys have gotten a convincing win in a game that they shouldn't have, maybe 2014 against the Colts, you're talking about that was a game to clinch the division and the mm-hmm. Cowboys just came in and steamrolled the Colts. That was probably the last time where you leave the game feeling, okay, this team's legit. They're ready to play. Shout out to Pat McAfee. He had a great fake punt early on in that game that was dropped. Um, just kind of shows you if, if that fake punt is converted, maybe that doesn't end up being the blowout that it was for the Cowboys, uh, as you mentioned. And they, they were coming off a big win that day in 2014. They had just beaten the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. 
Des Bryant had a hat trick of touchdowns against Nolan Carroll, who the Cowboys foolishly signed a couple of years later. That's a good way to put it, though. Like, you know, the last time you were that confident it would be a loss and it wound up being a win. Tom, um, I don't think you're going to have a better answer, but go ahead and give it a shot. I no, I, the the New Orleans game was the only thing that that even wow. Came so not even mind. a creative answer, Tom. You can't even come up with one. I know, I, because I, I I'm not sure I can find one that has this combination of elements. You know, the 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 starters out uh, after we all really were working hard to to convince ourselves, like Tony, that somehow he was going to be in uh, the cow the Cowboys just universally being seen as not really having a chance. Uh, and, you know, this this whole thing that people still out there, it, you know, finally they're coming around, but there were still those that kind of felt that the Cowboys weren't for real somehow, I, which I don't know understand how they could have gotten this far and still be thinking that. And then the Cowboys come in and, and just man up against so many uh, obstacles. Uh, you know, as Aiden was pointing out, it, it just so many things went wrong for them in this game. I think we we tend to overlook that how many things were not lining up well for the Cowboys, and yet they just gutted it out. Cooper Rush had, you know, the game of his life, possibly forever, uh, and here they are. And you know, all the kudos to Cooper, and all the kudos to the couch coaching staff you know we've been slamming on mike mccarthy this was i think an evidence of what mike mccarthy has changed about this team because one of the most common comments was two years ago the cowboys would not have won this game yeah we'll get to that point in just a moment tom don't you know don't get too ahead of us you know what i mean we're still you know putting things in in the right order but that's a great what i love about this question shout out to me for coming up with it is uh (laughs) different ways that you guys have approached it aiden your perspective the the last time you were you know this competent was going to be a loss that you end up being you know disproven tom your example of when was the last time the cowboys kind of won a game they weren't supposed to win along those lines you could argue new england with all the penalties that happened you know just a couple of weeks ago that game kind of felt like it was getting away from them my kind of go-to there, Tom, is early that 2014 season when they fell down 21 nothing against the Rams in St. Louis. It felt like, okay, they're getting blown out. Like, this is not going to work out for them. They committed to the run. DeMarco Murray still had a fumble in that game, but they were able to win. Austin Davis not able to get the um, the game-winning drive for St. Louis. Shout-out to Morris Claiborne, who had the game-sealing interception in that contest. Tony, I imagine that that was maybe your answer because I tend to kind of uh, steal the answer out of the tip of your tongue. But when was the last time the Cowboys won a game like this to you? I and mean, how, how did you kind of approach this question? Aiden stole my thunder and, and I hate mm. to sound not creative and like, I'm not thinking for myself here, but I mean, it was just the first time like that. I mean, you came into this game and I, you saw me, I was the ultimate pessimist in this game. I said, let's, let's see some positive things. Let's see if Cooper rush can, you know, I always say like, let's see if he can ma- master the forward pass. Right. And, and he made me look, <laughs> made me look bad here. Like, and, and I'm so glad to be, you know, to be wrong on the situation. And I'm usually the eternal optimist, but I just had a sick feeling in my stomach and I'm always wrong. I'm a black cat. I can't bet. So it saved my life, but the saints game, a hundred percent, like you just felt like, you know, how could, how could they get this done? Is this something they could do? And then they go out and they, they just get it done. It was just, I mean, for me, it's, I wish I had a more creative answer to you, but Aiden hit the nail on the head. See, uh, not to hate on both you and Aiden, but the Saints game was in the middle of that win streak, and, and they had just traded for Amari Cooper, so there was kind of this, like, 
um it's like like tv that great tv show quality to that that game to me like like of course this is the twist that we didn't see coming but that made sense like you know it was his sister you know what i mean like or something like that like it just that game had that those vibes to me i really thought hard about this obviously because i wanted to talk about it and tom you mentioned it the the intricacies the qualities of this the backup quarterbackness and that's obviously what makes this unique that it was cooper rush that the cowboys almost purposefully if you, you want to put it that way played without Dak Prescott and in that sense I went all the way back to 2008 uh Tony and Aiden were you know I don't know if y'all were even born yet um at this point in time but uh the Cowboys lost Tony Romo for three games to an injured pinky and when they lost the game that he was hurting against the Arizona Cardinals it felt like that season was really falling apart and they were supposed to go win the Super Bowl that year coming off the 13 and 3 season the year before and they lost their first game but then they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home with Brad Johnson at quarterback, 13 to nine. And, you know, it was Brad Johnson. So, I mean, not the most stout Super Bowl winning quarterback in the history of the NFL, but still the guy had had been there and done that and played some legit football. I mean, to win a game like this in a quarterback's first start ever, Aiden, I tweeted this out, the last four quarterbacks who have won games for the Dallas Cowboys all got their first win on the road against teams that Kirk Cousins played quarterback for. Just an incredible line of coincidence at that particular place. Yes, that's just completely anomalous. I that's one of those things where I'd love to throw out a cool stat about that, but I have yeah, it means nothing. That is just just, yeah, um, that's just outstanding. I want to put this to you, and Tom um, tried to ruin it for us. Obviously, uh, I believe Blue Three Sixty Five says Garrett never won a game like this, and you know we don't want to take victory laps or poo poo Jason Garrett. Great person, you know, did a great job building a culture that is is still being built upon, obviously under Mike McCarthy. But Aiden, true or false, the Dallas Cowboys would not have beaten the Vikings with Jason Garrett as their head coach on Sunday night. You know. This kind of feels like a game that maybe Jason Garrett would have won in a complete luck of things, but then he would have turned around and with Dak Prescott lost to the Atlanta Falcons two weeks later. That's just mm. kind of how it's it such felt. such a great like point. Like there were some wins that Jason Garrett got out of, stole a victory, and then, but with Jason Garrett, you got those ups and down games. You got the games where, the Cowboys had no business losing, and there they were in the fourth quarter down. So that's the way that I see things. But most likely, no, Jason Garrett probably wouldn't, wouldn't have won that game. Tom, Aiden's got the, the winning answer. So, you know, you can try if you want. But um, but I, I, I agree with that. I mean, it, it, maybe Garrett, because Garrett would do that, right? He would pull off these, you know, and we, we would always the next week say, this team never quits on him. They fight for him. They love him. They believe in him, et cetera. And then the bottom would have come out. And that's really been the difference. And everybody, by the way, in the chat is saying true. Nobody disagrees with this notion. So maybe you do, Tom. But that Mike McCarthy is, and call it being a, 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 a Pittsburgh guy, you know, Pennsylvania guy, you know, you know, blue collar guy gets his hands dirty guy, whatever. Mike McCarthy is not a guy who blinks because Jason Garrett has lost this game before. Actually, in fact, to Mike McCarthy, uh, the, the Matt Flynn game, we all remember how painful that game was in 2013. And so I, I'm giving away my position, Tom. I agree with Aiden and agree with everybody. I don't think Jason Garrett wins this game, but how do you see it? Well, I, I think I can tell you something that kind of illustrates it when last night while I was watching the Manning cast, uh, of the uh, KC New York Giants game. 
and uh, Kansas City got the ball back after, I mean, uh, the Giants got the ball back after Kansas City had gone ahead at the at the very end, and they showed Jason Garrett, and you could just see in his head how he was thinking, okay, how can I get to the very fringe of field goal range and <laughs> give us a slim chance to tie this up? Uh, no. With I mentioned, with Garrett, the team would be up one week and down the next. This team has been on such an even keel, and it's an up-even keel. They just keep going out and playing well and you know, exceeding expectations, including Vegas. The Cowboys are the only team in the league that is seven and zero against the spread, and I hope it's uh, you know costing some people some money there. Uh, I wow. think that's just it's hilarious. It's amazing but, to hope. Why would you hope that? For yeah, anybody? because I because I hope that the Cowboys <laughs> faithful are raking it in. Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I I just this was a game that had Garrett Loss written all over it. Uh, in, in the old days, and Mike McCarthy has a different team taking the field now than we we're used to seeing, and I think that's fantastic. Tony, um, a lot of people love to kind of Monday morning quarterback Mike McCarthy. Well, look at the way he handled the end of the game against the Los Angeles Chargers. Nobody wants to point out that Brandon Staley didn't call a single timeout in that same run to preserve time to get Justin Herbert the ball. Nobody cares that Bill Belichick uh, wasted a minute and a half at the end of the first half against the Cowboys or that he, like a coward, punted on fourth and three near midfield in overtime of that game. And, you know, Again, maybe we're too close to maybe we're just in the center of the Cowboys eye. And so we only see the the demerits, you know, thrown at Mike McCarthy. But, you know, Mike Zimmer forgot the rules and and called two timeouts in a row. And by the way, I find it astounding. This isn't to do with Zimmer, but that the official's job is to ignore a head coach breaking the rules. Um, that seems like a fundamental flaw to me. Uh, but Mike Zimmer, and I think, I, I, I think Tony, to frame it for you, I don't know that I think Mike McCarthy won this game as much as I think Mike Zimmer lost this game. And I loved this comment from DJ Dog Thirty One: "Says Zimmer coached the game that Garrett lost two years ago when we lost to the Vikings at home. That game was awesome on Sunday Night Football." And I think that's just the difference: is Mike McCarthy might you know throw up on himself, but because everybody's going to throw up on themselves at a certain point in time, but he knows how to clean it up, and he's going to throw up on himself less than other coaches. Mike Zimmer was throwing up all over himself in this particular game. I mean, big picture, right? The way you look at Mike McCarthy and stuff like that. Yeah, there's coaching mistakes all over the NFL. You can point it out every single game, every single week. There's been some questionable call. I mean, certainly with Mike McCarthy, certainly with John Fossil. Just beyond this team in the league itself, there's always some questionable things. So in the heat of the moment, these coaches are going to make decisions. Things are going to happen. So, But I think this game was one – like beyond like Mike McCarthy as the coach, but kind of what they brought into this team as like uh, the chemistry or the the swagger they bring to this team. This game was one with well, how they've been stilled since the offseason with the with the the acquisitions they brought in, the belief that this team is as good as they as they think they are. Right? They bought into it. This team went into this game and said Cooper Rush is playing, Dak isn't, and they and they really didn't bat an eyelash. I mean, and look at the way they came out of that halftime, right? Bam, hit Cedric Wilson for a big touchdown. I think that was the moment where they they believed that, like, everything we're saying, everything we're preaching, like, 
this is real. Anthony Brown said it in the soundbite on the sideline. Like, man, if we pull one out of this game, like we can beat anything. And I think they truly believe that. So do I think this is a game Jason Garrett would lose? I do, because I don't think he ever had the players with that type of belief, with that type of feel that we can overcome anything. As long as we give ourselves a shot, we got this. To be the latest person to make this analogy to life, because that's what everybody does these days, uh, Mike McCarthy is Ted Lasso. That's who he is. And I, I hate myself that I'm that mainstream person. Um, people, you can go as different things for Halloween. Not everybody has to be dressed up as Ted Lasso. Seriously, it's there are other options. Uh, Tom, I do want to ask you something. DFWAV Geek says, not taking anything away from McCarthy, just wondering, do you think that Garrett lost that 2013 game against Mike McCarthy? Just to be clear for everyone, I know Tom knows and everybody here knows, but in case you don't, Cowboys held a 26-3 to halftime lead with Tony Romo, Des Bryant, Miles Austin, all of your favorite players, and lost to Mike McCarthy's Packers led by Matt Flynn. And not Matt Flynn coming off the 2011 season finale when he'd gotten paid. At this point, Matt Flynn had already been cut by the Seahawks and bounced around and was just somehow some way back with the Packers. But Tom, go ahead. I think you have to argue that he he might have because Garrett's instinct is to go conservative and play not to lose, which, as everyone knows, is how you do wind up losing games in the NFL. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's highly likely that he did by, by not going out, not pressing, not keeping the foot down. Uh, because when you let up against NFL teams and they have enough time, funny things can happen. Well, and I think that that maybe Mike McCarthy would agree with that um, as a result of the 2014 NFC Championship game, right? Mike McCarthy kind of you know puts things on cruise control. A series of unfortunate events happens. To your point, Tom, and the Packers lose the C and that was a weird playoff run in general. Um, Aiden, you had worked up a graph that we a bunch of people wrote about. We included in a number of different articles at the site about Mike McCarthy about how aggressive he's been, and that's something you know that Tom touched on in terms of we want to see aggression. That's something you you've got to keep your foot on the gas, whatever proverbial cliche you want to assign there you also worked up something recently Aiden and I'm glad you're here because I would have butchered the explanation for this about how Mike McCarthy has improved the Cowboys team uh, this Sunday will mark his 24th game with the team the first 12 games um, were yikes um, but the most recent 11 have been a radical improvement. Can you let us know? Uh, the podcast audience, you, you really want to check it out. We'll tweet it out at Blog and the Boys. Um, but if you're watching, obviously, Aiden, give us the, the 101 on what we're seeing here. Yeah, so what you're seeing here is every point, every mark on this graph represents the last three games average for the Cowboys EPA per play on offense and defense. And so what you hope to see is the Cowboys being in the the top of the graph for all of it. So offensive EPA per play is a high positive number. Defensive EPA per play is a high negative number. Now, as you can see from the graph, once the point hit for McCarthy, so that would have been after his 12th game with the Cowboys until now, McCarthy has consistently improved this team. The three-game averages just keep getting better. Um, the offense is performing well. The, actually, the best three-game stretch that the offense had was the last game that Dak Prescott played. The best three-game stretch that the defense had is this past week. And so what you're seeing is, is 
since that halfway point, McCarthy has consistently improved the team. And now, obviously, the first half, it gets a little rocky. And so I actually did a little deeper dive into this, looking at how coaches perform over their first season, whether it's normal to have the shaky start. Only 29% of NFL head coaches make the playoffs their first year of coaching. 44 44% is the average winning percentage. That's around seven games. Now, you take into account the fact that Mike McCarthy was coaching a backup quarterback for most of the season. My argument is, if you want to judge Mike McCarthy based off this season, that's completely fine. But judging Mike McCarthy solely based off what he did last year, most head coaches don't succeed their first year. And even then, it's going to be rocky at points. So from this graph alone, I think we should be very encouraged with how Mike McCarthy is doing, specifically in how he's improving this team consistently. Tom, uh, you are the wisest among us. Uh, no <laughs> offense to Aiden or to Tony or to myself. Uh, what are your takeaways here? We, we, you know, we sent this out earlier in the day to prep for uh, this roundtable. Uh, do you have a question for Aiden? Do you have a question for Tony? Do you have a question for me? Like, where, where are you at, Tom? Because I'm excited to see um, your kind of feel and vibe on this. Well, what, what I keep focusing on is how that graph smooths out on the right-hand side. Uh, the, the, it's not just that they're having good defensive and, and offensive EPA performances. It's that they are having such consistently good ones. And that to me is, is more important. Uh, it's one thing when you win some games because you suddenly have a spike mm. with your offense or your defense, but when you're winning games because you're staying on that, that plateau of consistently good play, that to me is what can carry forward. It's just like how everyone was talking about how the Cowboys couldn't maintain the takeaways uh, because that's just not historically something that is is repeatable on a regular basis, that you can't keep up that kind of level. Well, this is showing the things that you can be consistent or consistent in are being consistent for the Cowboys, and we're seeing what what that means with this with the six and one start now. Aiden, your response to Tom? I mean, is is he wrong? Is is, is he embarrassing us? Is he correct? I mean, like you know, what what is you know? Elaborate on this, please. No, that is a perfect takeaway from this graph because yeah, during the first season there were ups and downs. You had the game against the Vikings last year where the Cowboys. It looked for a second like, well, maybe they figured this out. And then they go out and then they get destroyed by the uh, chief or the football and team on Thanksgiving. To, to, inter so to interrupt you briefly, Aiden, and I, I, I hate to – I've hated to do this ever since that week. Um, fo football is so unimportant in the grand scheme of life, and we all love football. We all do. That's why we're here. That's why we love the Cowboys. That's why we love to share with one another. As we all remember, the Cowboys organization and the Paul family suffered a horrible tragedy last year in the week leading up to Thanksgiving, right after the Cowboys got that win in Minnesota that did, you know, to the point, Aiden, look like it was maybe going to propel the Cowboys back to some sort of legitimacy. That Vikings game was Andy Dalton's first win and really kind of his first sort of real start. He started against the Cardinals on Monday Night Football, but there was still, I think, a little bit of aftershock from the Dak Prescott injury. He goes to Washington. He gets injured without Zach Martin in the fold. And so he finally gets back in Minnesota. The Cowboys build up some 
I know momentum is not a, a trackable or, or measurable statistic, but still the vibes are good. And then they get back to, to the star in Frisco and tragedy strikes them. So again, I know you can't measure that Aiden, but it's, it's certainly Mike McCarthy said himself, you know, after that Thanksgiving game that he had no idea how his team was going to play or to respond to that. And so just it's, it's difficult to use that as some sort of uh, variable that, that took place Aiden um, with regards to this, that, that particular point in, in this, you know, measurement here. Uh, but it is something that was a factor nonetheless. No, absolutely. Yeah. And that was a heartbreaking time. I think the entire Cowboys community, but Tom, your point still stands where what we're seeing now is just consistent performances. We're not getting get horrible defensive games followed by the surprise, amazing defensive game. You're just getting good performances across the board, offensively and defensively. And consistency is the mark of a good team. So yeah, that was a good point, Tom. Tony, what's your takeaway here? I mean, looking at this here, for me, it's it's easy to see that this team has the potential to have like really high peaks. And what they've done is limit the the valleys, right? Like the low doesn't have to be so low, like Aiden said. You, you're finding a way to for level to find its water. I mean, this consistent uh per you know progression going on here. And you know, as far as tangible things that you can you can you know, antiquate analytically, this is, I mean, this is a positive sign for Cowboys fans. This is a positive sign for Mike McCarthy and his staff. And to, to see, it's one thing to see it or the one thing to, um, to kind of watch the games and kind of go over the numbers and stuff. It's a whole nother thing to see it right in front of your face in a graph analytically to say like how I feel about this team, how I feel about the staff and how everything is going on is um, there's actual math and the science behind it. Like, so I can appreciate the way this goes. And I think it's just a positive thing for this team moving forward. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now, with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. Aiden, I do want to add one thing to Tony's point uh, before we get this graph off the screen. And again, we'll tweet it out and it will be in some articles at Blogging the Boys throughout the week uh, for anyone who's curious. And if you want to kind of look at it yourself, um, Aiden does a fantastic job for us here. But what what I've noticed is the floor. The floor has risen, kind of to Tony's point here. Um, I don't I, you know, I, I, I don't know if I would say a team that's, you know, at an, at an EPA offensively and defensively of zero is like sort of point blank average. But that is the floor the Cowboys this year and if their floor is being an average team that that's what makes them a really good team is that their their lowest low is being an average NFL team which is a very difficult thing to accomplish yeah and 
I'm going to be interested to see what happens with this graph once we get through games like, I guess, not the Saints anymore, but the Chiefs with the Chiefs offense, with the Cardinals offense. I want to see what the floor looks like when we face one of those upper echelon offenses again. But I think there's there's reason to believe in the consistency of this team. Mm, well said. Um, okay, Tom, next question goes to you since you look the most sprightly among us. Um, you've also, you're the only one with a t-shirt hanging behind you. So um, <laughs> you really dress for the occasion. Um, we've, we've thrown a lot of bouquets at the Cowboys feet here, right? We're calling for on course, right? Like everything's great. Everything's perfect. And uh, everybody's really happy, which means by the way, the next Cowboys loss and that will come, it is going to be Armageddon. I mean, like people are going to everybody remembers when they lost to the Giants for the second time in 2016. It is going to be chaos when the Cowboys ultimately lose another game, Tom. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're getting some questions in the chat. What should the Cowboys do about Dak this week against the Broncos? We'll talk about Tyron Smith and Trayvon Diggs, et cetera. But the question, Tom, in kind of a grand overarching perspective here is, has this team earned the benefit of the doubt moving forward, especially winning a game without Dak Prescott at quarterback? Yeah, I have to think it has. Uh, all NFL teams, it seems like, eventually run into that that place where they they stub their toe. Uh, yeah, it's winning games in the NFL is just hard. If you'll allow me to quote Jason Garrett, <laughs> uh, but and you're up against a team that's doing everything it can to beat you. Uh, so it, it's, it seems at some point there has to come a game that's a bit of a letdown. It may come at the point where it doesn't really matter for the Cowboys when the, uh, the, the seedings are already so locked in that it doesn't really hurt them, but I still think it's going to come. And yet we have to give them the benefit of a doubt. It's hard to come in now for 17 consecutive games and keep that energy, keep that level. Uh, to get through all the various injuries that come along and all the little, you know, distractions that can happen. So, you know, they, I think they have gotten the benefit of a doubt because they've shown what they can do against some adversity. The, the, the Vikings win was full of adversity and yet they just countered with, you know, an outstanding performance from Cooper Rush some really great uh, wide receiver play and a defense that held the Vikings to one of 13 on third down conversions, which is one of the most uh, important indicators of defensive success. If you're getting those stops on third downs, you're getting the ball back for your offense. You're stopping the other team from scoring touchdowns, if, if at all. And, that to me just was the the real standout stat from that game when I was looking at the at the numbers. Uh, that is something we just did not see very much at all, especially early last year. And now they just came up and did a masterful job of shutting down Kirk Cousins and the Vikings when it came to the money down. So. That's well yeah. said, Tom. No, uh, that's very well said. You're right. Succeeding on third down is is an easy way uh, to win a football game. Shout out to Kirk Cousins, um, who just, you know, if, if Mike Zimmer threw all up over himself, I mean, Kirk Cousins wasn't far behind. Tony, as mentioned, you were the one panicking the most um, coming up to this game. Uh, have the Cowboys, you know, 
gotten you to a point where you'll chill a little bit next time. You know what I'm saying? Like if 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 they have to if they have to move without Tyron Smith on Sunday or whatever the case may be, if if they have to you know kick Terrence Steele out the left tackle in lieu of that, if, if whatever. I mean, are you less inclined to freak out now because of what happened on Sunday specifically? I mean, every chance that I've had to be pessimistic or worry about, they've they've found a way to prove me wrong. And I think that's the the mark of how different this team is. And, you know, I've had different moments in, throughout the season where I've said to myself or out loud, you know, this team, a former team wouldn't have done this. A former team wouldn't have been able to, you know, to come over this adversity. And um, I don't know if there's a benefit of a doubt. I guess that is a good way to say it because at the end of the day, like they've they've proven over the last six games – through anything that they've been thrown, they've found the way to go through that adversity. So yeah, I think at this point in time, um, myself included, because like you said, I was ready to jump off, you know, jump off a building <laughs> all week over it and worried sick. And you know, it's a conference game, and they don't care about playoff seating, like you know what I mean. Like, but they had a bigger plan. It's bigger than me, um, you know. And I think at this point, um, at least this year, every move they made has just seemed to turn to gold so far, and it's just. You know, you, you can question, it's like, why didn't Lyle Collins get his job back? Or, okay, well, Terrence Steele has been quietly playing well. It's, it, at every point in time I've had a chance to to question them, they've proved me wrong. So keep doing it. Aiden, do you worry about a bottoming out there, you know, of of kind of, you know, magic moves, like Tony said, like, you know, if, if they just decide to pull something off, because Tony's right, they're, they're batting a 1,000 right now, but at a certain point, you know, there will be regression to the meat. I mean, maybe that's too harsh of a way to put it, but like they will be wrong or, or, or they will, their wrongness will be highlighted in a way that it hasn't been there. There won't be something to cover it up. I mean, I guess, how do you feel? Aiden? That's what I was going to touch on. I think when we say the benefit of the doubt, I think what we're talking about is, are you still waiting for the shoe to drop somewhere? And for me, what they proved on Sunday night is those down games, those bad games, losing some a game you're not supposed to, that just may not happen with this team. I mean, in 2019, you had the Jets lost. 2018, you had the Titans. Like The seasons in the past have been filled with games that it seemed like the Cowboys should have won, and we talked about it. It just all fell apart. But with this team, specifically with this defense now, they can carry you if the offense isn't, producing to the level we've expected. So I think that I'm not expecting this team to bottom bottom out at any point, lose a horrible game that they never should have lost. Now, it might happen, but I now have complete faith in this team to win the games that they need to win. It feels like, uh, Tom, I know the answer for you is yes. Aiden, Tony, are you guys big TikTokers? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't post them, but I definitely get trapped in the okay, TikTok so, world for a so little you're, bit. You're a TikTok consumer, Aiden. You're a TikTok consumer. Yeah. Okay. So there's a trend for anyone who's unaware. Not that this is you, Tom. Um, uh, where people have posted. I don't know what the trends are called in TikTok. Um, yeah, I I turned 32 last week, so or two weeks ago, so fine. Um, I'm I'm okay admitting this. But uh, there's a trend where uh, people post the audio. Uh, to It's My Party and I Cry If I Want To. Is that, is that even the name of the song? I don't even know what the name of that song is, but everybody knows what song I'm talking about. And uh, the trend is to like admit something. I don't know if I'm putting it the right way, Tony. Maybe you could back me up here. Uh, to say something that you have previously known to go one way in your life um, for you to like meet someone normal or whatever and then be like, dude, 
that's you're like you were in a toxic situation. It's not that way. You're like you're safe now. You're you're in a safe surrounding. Like everything's good now. Uh, with that specific audio, again, I, I think these are called trends. Uh, but I, I, my point here, Tony, is we're I'm just scarred. Like maybe that's where we're all coming from here. Right? Like we're we're all just like it can't happen. It can't be this way. Like it's we're gonna get hurt. And the like TikTok side or the other person involved is like, dude. This is just what normal good teams do. It's okay to believe. And I don't know, Tony, am I way out of left field here? Not at all. I mean, that's kind of how I felt every single week, you know. Whether <laughs> that's it's... how I feel every <laughs> second of my life, right, yeah. Every, every time it comes up on Sunday, you know, I Tuesday comes around, I'm like, oh, we, you know, I feel good about this game. And then as the week creeps along, I'm like, you know, they, they got some playmakers, you know, something could happen. I talk myself into thinking the Giants could beat us. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, whoa, I don't know about this. And then – you know, they come they come out flat in the first half against Carolina. And I look at my fiance and I'm like, this is this is the when, you know, Donald Schultz can't hold the football. This is when we lose because we can't, you know, we can't control little things like this. And we lose to teams that we shouldn't lose to. And I think it's like you said, we're just scarred um, or physically, emotionally scarred from this team for years. I mean, I'm 30. You just turned 32. So I. I've seen things uh, and I, you know, I told my fiance, she became dove all into the Cowboys fandom with me. And I was like, are you ready? Are you mentally ready for what comes to be with this team and what it takes to be a fan? Cause it, it can be brutal. And I just feel like I'm always kind of like shy, like, Oh man, something's going to happen. And so far this year, it just hasn't happened. Yeah. Tom. Um, I mean, what, what is there to say that just, we like, we're afraid to love again, you know, yeah. Tom, I mean, that's, that's really who we are at this point. I refer to it as PTSD because that's what the Cowboys <laughs> suffer from after last after last year, especially, and to a certain extent through the entire Jason Garrett era and maybe for years back before that. We it's been so long since we've seen any sustained success from this team, uh, from putting together a, a complete season uh, and postseason, that we just are we keep waiting for the bad news to come. And we keep thinking it's around the corner. And then when you have something like Dak Prescott is going to miss a game, and we know how his being out just really torpedoed everything last season, we're just waiting for that that bad news to drop on us. And that's just, you know, it's like we need counseling. And well, the, the counseling is Cowboys win after Cowboys win. And that's the only way we're going to work through this. In that sense, Tom, we're like the bad boy in the movie. You know what I mean? Like we we create the problems. You know what I mean? Like when everything's yeah. going good, like we we just we're comfortable in the chaos. We have yeah. to live in chaos. Yeah. Um, Aiden, I'll throw the hard question to you since you were killing your first round table. Um, let's see, I've lost it here. Uh, Brady asks, "What happens to Cedric Wilson when Gallup comes back?" Personally, I think Wilson gives us a better all around offense. Will Gallup be the odd man out during his contract season? Now, for perspective for everybody, I. I don't like this isn't a report. I'm just like speculating. The Cowboys did wave Bradley and Nye today, and so they did create that roster spot. They also officially placed Jabril Cox on injured reserve. These are moves, obviously, potential. Oh, they'll have to, you know, bring another linebacker. Maybe that's Francis Bernard. But the Bradley and Nye wave could be Michael Gallup coming back this week. So that could be happening this week against Denver, Aiden. So what do you do? Because everyone's going to be pissed off at you one way or the other here. Well, I think we know what happens to Cedric Wilson when Gallup comes back. It's he becomes the quarterback one, right? <laughs> no, it's a great answer. No, but I think I mean you just have so many. Just like what it seems like 
at every position. You just have so many weapons where I have faith in Kellen Moore to use his talent and let just let the talent play. Like Lyle Collins and Connor McGovern both getting reps at fullback last week. It's stuff like that where Kellen Moore is going to find the talent on his roster and he's going to put them on the field and he's going to use them creatively and he's going to give them ways to just make plays. And so when I think Gallup comes back, you're going to see more of that. Maybe you see four receiver sets. Maybe you've seen him, see him lining up as a running back. I can't imagine what Kellen Moore is going to do when Cedric Wilson comes back, but he's going to keep getting used and it's going to be fun to watch. Tony, what do you do? The Cowboys did not, by the way, the trade deadline has officially coming on. They did not trade Michael Gallup. So this is a question that technically will exist for the rest of the year. And then we'll have a big argument after the Cowboys win the Super Bowl about who they should retain to pair with Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. And then somebody will say, well, they should just cut Amari and keep both Gallup and Cedric Wilson. Uh, but Tony, for the remainder of this season, what do you do? You asked me what I do. Like you said, uh, Michael Gallup is our 2A, 2B, right? So as far as I'm concerned. But look at what ah, they've the done. Disrespects, not even calling him 1B. <laughs> Listen, I, Amari Cooper is a man in a league of his own right now. I think he's just playing unconscious in the way he's, you know, battling through injuries. But to answer the question, the way this team has been working, don't you kind of feel like they're going to keep Cedric in that three hole? And you just kind of feel no, like, you know, like, you don't think so? I mean, and I, uh, and hang I agree. On. Tom, I, Tom, do you agree or disagree? This one word answer there. No. Okay, so the agree or disagree was the option, but you went with no. Interesting. Uh, Aiden, uh, <laughs> Aiden, if you have to agree or disagree with that, that they'll keep Cedric Wilson operating as a three. Yeah, I disagree with that. Ah, so Tony, it's, are you? It's, yeah. it's not that. It's not that I think that's what's going to happen or what should happen because it's cl it's clear as day to me that Michael Galvis is the more talented player. But at the same time. Cedric Wilson has done everything they've asked him to do. This offense really hasn't missed a beat other than what the, you know, Michael Gallup's ability to open the top of the offense and, you know, go deep. But I thought for sure Lyle Collins was getting his job back from Terrence Steele. You know what I mean? I thought for sure that there was different guys that, you know, Jalen Smith would factor into the linebacker rotation in one way or another, and he's not on the team. So they've, they've continued to surprise me. I, 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 to me, it's a great problem to have. Like Aiden said, you go four wide, and it, who do you who do you guard, right? I mean, who now you got a guy who is a legitimate two, for sure. I mean, he's a possible two, for sure, legit number three in this league, and now he's your fourth best wide receiver going against cornerbacks who might play twelve snaps a game. It, it's just it's just a great problem to have, and other defenses are going to have to try to figure out how to stop it. You mentioned Jalen Tony, uh, just. So everyone's aware in case you didn't see Jalen Smith was released by the Green Bay Packers on Tuesday. We'll see where he ultimately ends up. Uh, Tom, before we get to you, Cooper, not Rush, uh, comes in here and says, going to my first game next week, all the way from Morgantown. So enjoy the game, Cooper. Also, shout out to Burmese Star, says, enjoying the show, guys. Can't comment much. Getting the kids ready for bed. But thanks from Bermuda. Tom, do you wish you were in Bermuda right now? Oh, it's kind of uh, chilly today. I wouldn't mind maybe taking a little vacation there. So good on him. Um, Tom, actually, I'm going to pivot to this question. So sorry, but you did answer you wrongly, technically. But um, <laughs> Michael Scarn uh, asks, any chance they bring Smith back for depth? This is a question that was floating around Twitter. I think that's you know why I wanted to address it. But talking about Jalen Smith here, the Cowboys are already paying him this season, to be very clear here. Um, everyone shook their heads. Uh, so 
Tom, you can say it in a nice way if you want. No, I think it is best that he be allowed to seek his own path forward at this time. Um, that was really that, nice. Wow, that was really <laughs> nice. After some of the snarky things I saw floating around on Twitter, uh, I wanted to be very gentle about it. No, I don't see any any I don't see any value in that. Um, um, Tom, I'll I'll switch gears and ask you now uh, on the subject of Smith. Uh, are we at all troubled? by the Tyron Smith and Trayvon Diggs injury situations. Maybe we are looking for that that reason to say, yep, told you. I told you something bad was going to happen. Like, is this that, or or have they earned the benefit of the doubt? I mean, like, are you worried about one and not the other? I mean, where do you stand here? Or, obviously, it works out for the Cowboys that the Denver Broncos traded away Von Miller this week, so they won't have to play them. Championship teams catch breaks. That's not like a measurable thing, but it did work out in the Cowboys' favor this week that they won't have to play them. Yeah, Um I'm not nearly as troubled as I would have been uh, back before the season started because the if there is an overarching theme, it's that this team has depth and it can overcome things. And I think what we're seeing with Tyron Smith may actually be part of what's going on with Lyle Collins because maybe they knew that they might be having to come up with a different answer at one of the tackle positions. Mm, and Tom's now got the tinfoil hat on. I like yeah, it. Now they've got <laughs> another, another week to figure out, do they move Terrence Steele to left tackle and plug Lyle back in at right? Or do they plug Lyle in at, at left tackle to cover for Tyron Smith if they have to. And that might not necessarily be something they have to do at the start of the game, but as we saw in the last game, they may have to make a move uh, in the middle of the game. So I think this week they're going to be sorting that all out because uh, Ty Seki came in and held down the fort, which he, I think, should get some credit for, but he obviously wasn't that good. Uh, and so now they've got a resource back that allows them to look at it, and they've been talking an awful lot about that political position flexibility concept on the O-line, having people able to do multiple things. So, yeah, I think they, I don't know if it was deliberately or just a little bit of inadvertent falling into their lap. They are now more set up for handling that. that. Uh, Trayvon Diggs' word is it looks like he should be fine for this week from the early indications, although, as we all know, we kind of got fooled by some of that last week. Uh but I think they can find a way to handle that because Anthony Brown had another pretty good game except for one play where he just fell down, kind of lost his balance and lost his receiver. Uh, I think they're going to be okay, uh, and they're going to probably be okay for a while because, like I said, the, the backup players are just stepping up. And, you know, now they've got Kelvin Joseph who is starting to work his way into the roster. So yeah, I'm not, I'm just not that I, I it, it's something to watch. It's something to be a little bit cautious about, but it's not something to get deeply concerned about the way it was happening. It seemed like every week last year when they lost another key piece. Right. So I think Tom has spoken on the Trayvon Diggs situation. I don't think Aiden, Tony, either of you are, are too panicked by that. So let's address the Tyron Smith thing. Since Tom set it up for controversy, because there are already some differing opinions in our comment stream. So Aiden, um, you have to upset people first. Um, so if Tyron Smith does not play against Denver, who should play at left tackle? Got to name a name. 
I'd say Terrence Steele. I wouldn't. I'd let Lyle Collins keep his right tackle position, and I'd shift. I'd shift Steele over to left to see what he can do over there because he showed he can pick up a position over the course of a short period of time. I'd let him keep rolling at left tackle. Tony. Initially, I kind of felt the same way Aiden did, but they, you know, they keep speaking about continuity. They keep talking about like, you know, mm. they didn't make a move because they don't want to, you know, they don't want to make two moves for one move. So in this, you know, thinking about that, you know, naturally I thought, okay, Terrence still going to left tackle. He has some experience to what he's played the position before, but Lyle Collins is, you know, one man, they can move to left tackle. They can work him at a left tackle. He has skill. He's a hell, he's a hell of an athlete. He can play. He can play the position. He did mention that the left side was his more natural position. So to keep Terrence Steele at one spot, to only change one position and then have Ty and Teke be the swing tackle, you're really only changing one spot. And, you know, Lyle Collins is arguably your second most talented tackle on the team. And I don't think it's that much of an argument at all. Tom, one of these gentlemen has said the correct answer. Um, I will I will tell you all who in a moment. But uh, since you didn't technically vote, Tom, um, cast your vote. Well, uh, it was a close race, but after all the mail-in ballots were counted, <laughs> I have to give the victory to Tony on that. I think the idea of keeping four guys in the same position and then putting one guy in a new spot is the better way to go than making two guys switch. Mm, I'm sorry, Tom and Tony, that you're both wrong. Uh, <laughs> the answer is to move Terrence Steele. Tony, you mentioned keep four guys at their same position. Terrence Steele is the team swing tackle. That is still his position if he swings on over to the left side. And to kind of piggyback off of Tom's conspiracy theory, I don't know like how baked this is. Maybe I'm pulling it out of the oven too early. I mean, you could look at this, and I am not trying to count chickens before they hatch or anything, but obviously the Broncos and Falcons are not too intimidating of teams. Um, you could look at this as a way to transition Lyle Collins to the right side for when the schedule gets tougher, when you get to the playoffs, because that was kind of the concern last week, right? When he became eligible to play after suspension, we all talked about, well, you know, do you really mess with this? Terrence is playing awesome. Lyle's only played one game in the last year and a half. You know, what's it going to look like, et cetera? So this isn't the preseason or anything, Aiden, but I mean, it does give Lyle that opportunity, and it also gives Terrence Steele an opportunity to play at left tackle and to pick up experience there if Tyron Smith gets hurt, you know, in the run against the divisional teams or something like like that. I mean, you just never know. I I realize Aiden that that's playing that's that's you know wagering a lot of house money that we have here, but but they have it and they they they've shown us that they are good enough to to make those bets. Yeah, the one thing I'd say is whatever they decide to do at left tackle, I think that at this point we just trust them with what they do because yeah, myself included, I did not I did not support the move of Terrence Steele playing right tackle when Collins was suspended. And here we are now. I don't know. I, I would love to see what happens with this, but I think at this point we just guess and hope that the coaching staff has it down. Mm. True chalk answer. Well done. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, okay. So Aiden, this is something I want us to take a look at uh, next week, actually, after the Cowboys get to seven and one, which would be over the technical halfway point. Now there are 17 games, so things aren't perfect. It sucks. Um, but you know, actually, no, next week is not the over the halfway point, but still I, you know, everybody forget what I just said. Uh, the point is Tony um, in getting ahead of ourselves. I'm going to ask you all this question. So Tony gets to go first. 
Who would you ideally want to host in the wild card round if the Cowboys do not have the first round bye? I didn't tell any of you that I was going to ask you this because I wanted to put your feet to the fire as a surprise. So, Tom, oh. you're next. Aiden, you're last. So nobody screw it up. All right, Tony. Cowboys oh my God. are playing in the wild card round. Now, here is the current NFC wild card picture, and this is in seeding order. So, you know, the four seed will play the Los Angeles Rams. The three seed, again, if the playoffs started today, would play the New Orleans Saints, which is what the Cowboys are, and the two seed would play the Carolina Panthers. The Minnesota Vikings, San Francisco 49ers, Atlanta Falcons, and Philadelphia Eagles all remain in the hunt. Tony, go. As I look at this, there's legitimately only one team I don't want to play. <laughs> That's why we all agree you don't want you to know? be the four seed. We all agree with right. you. That's it. I mean, every single other one of those teams I would – take and take happily i don't want to see the rams if new orleans they don't have a quarterback right now it's trevor simeon is trevor simeon going to beat you in the playoffs i just going to be philip rivers there was a report today that philip rivers would listen would that scare you would that change your answer it wouldn't scare me i mean we beat minnesota with cooper rush that's why you should want it to be minnesota tony to be very clear Fair enough fair enough but isn't that like you know that's Something that just that happened this week, so that's fresh on our mind. But I'm thinking big picture, like New Orleans it, is 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 Taysom Hill going to beat us playing H back? You know, so it's one of those things where um, I would take the Rams out of it. Nobody in the world wants to play them right in the first round, right? So New Orleans, I mean Carolina has kind of been a dumpster fire since we beat them. Minnesota, we beat them a Cooper Rush. Atlanta, Philadelphia. I mean, give me, give me all of them, right? I'll take them all. It doesn't matter. Anybody but the Rams. But if you had to make me pick one, it'd be New Orleans. That's a lot of hubris, Tom. How do you feel? Uh, I would want to see Carolina again. I just think that that's one that the Cowboys haven't figured out. And uh, yeah, to me, that's just and, – and the only one that, I, you know, I'd be tempted a little bit to go San Francisco because they're kind of a hot mess too – I don't think Philadelphia is going to make it that far. Uh, I think they're going to just fall out of it. So, but but that's know, that's this. to be clear, Tom. That's why we're asking the question. We we do a rooting guide every week at bloggertheboys.com. Yeah. Things we're we're all rooting for. So, what are you rooting for? Who do, you know? Who do, who do you who in in your perfect world of perfect worlds? Who would it be? Even though you don't think that's possible, does that mean that you would actually like to see Philly get it together to be one of these teams so that Dallas could host the wild card round? Well. The thing that does kind of tip my hand to saying that is that wouldn't it be lovely to beat them three times in the year just so we can rub it in harder? And that would be back-to-back weeks, by the way, Tom, because the Cowboys visit Philadelphia in week 18. And to to kind of play – I don't know what the, the boss's name was in the Truman Show. I always forget. Um, but the guy who ran the show. Uh, if you want to be that guy here, maybe there's a world where the Cowboys, if they lose in week 18 to the Philadelphia Eagles – punch the Eagles wild card ticket to the point that they host them the following week, which wouldn't be a, a season sweep then to your point, Tom, but it would be in terms of games of relevance for Dallas. Yeah. Especially, especially if the Cowboys rolled out their third string quarterback to make sure that both Dak and Cooper were healthy. Mm, for the, Will Greer the just goes in and does what they need him to respect. <laughs> so then Tom, your answer is Carolina. Yeah, my serious answer would be Carolina. Mm, okay, Aiden. So Tony took the Saints. Tom took the Panthers. How do you feel and why? Well, out of this list, I take the Falcons, but I'm kind of on the boat that 
Yeah, the Falcons and the Eagles, I don't see them making the playoffs in really any world. Maybe Jalen Hurts <laughs> figures it out, but I really don't see them making the playoffs. Now, one thing I will say about playing the Eagles, I do not want to play the Eagles in the first round of the playoffs, not because I don't think we can beat them. It's just playing a division rival for the third time in a year. I don't know. It just kind of has bad juju written We've on it. we been hurt before. And yeah. Afraid it, to yeah, love again. And, Exactly. So out of the team, out of these teams, it would absolutely be Atlanta, but out of the teams I could conceivably see making the playoffs, I'd go Carolina as well. Mm. So we've beaten them. Yeah. Tony, you are correct in that nobody wants to see the Rams, um, but you were incorrect in your choice of New Orleans. That defense is impressive and Carolina has nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. Um, and Carolina's head coach, Matt Rule, has exemplified some cowardice so far this season. I, to Aiden's point of kind of like things I don't want to see, like things that have bad vibes, I don't want to see Sean Payton. I, I don't want to see that at all. Like that that just I don't want to introduce that variable, that factor. Matt Rule has lost big games at AT&T Stadium, playoff games at AT&T Stadium. So let's bring those vibes into the equation. That's what I want to see. The answer is the Carolina Panthers. Have we sold you, Tony, or are you going to die on the Saints Hill? I'm easily persuaded. <laughs> we already beat them. I just I looked at a team that is in turmoil as far as the quarterback goes and how they're going to man- manufacture points. I guess Sean Point, the Sean Payton point is accurate. They do have a good defense, but I don't know. Yeah, you got me. You sold me. Uh, by the way, in our stream, the lunatic asked uh, what I was wearing, what team I was supporting. This Manchester United. How could you not know the second most you know famous? club in the world outside of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, seriously, let's get it together, people. Um, Aiden, I'll put this to you. Uh, And again, we can study this a little bit more in the coming weeks, but what should we root for at this point in time as Cowboys fans, as far as the top wild card is concerned? If we're assuming that the Cowboys are the three seed or better, would you rather see the Los Angeles Rams win the NFC West or the Arizona Cardinals win the NFC West? Here's my thing. I don't think it really matters because the way that I see playoffs playing out, I think that the division winners are incredibly strong this year and the other two NFC wildcard teams aren't incredibly strong. And so what I think is going to happen in playoffs is the two division or the three division winners that play in the first round, they're all going to win. And that means that the winner of the NFC West is then going to have to play the lower seated team, which would then be the, or sorry. At this point, the Bucks. Today would be the Bucks. Yeah. So sorry. I think the NFC West, the second place NFC West team is going to advance through the first round of the playoffs. I think that the other, the other two remaining division winners would beat the six and seven seed. So, so you think we that, get an, an NFC West matchup in the division or in the, the divisional round, excuse me. Exactly. And so that's why, I mean, I think that's the most likely scenario. If I were to chart out playoffs right now, maybe, maybe the four seed gets it done against the Rams or the Cardinals, but I, I don't think it really matters all that much, but I would much rather see the Cardinals win the division this year. Okay, you've inspired a different question, but in order for me to get there, I need Tom and Tony to just simply yes or no agree. Do you agree with Aiden, guys, that the NFC West loser will win in the wild card round against the four seed, which is definitely not going to be the Cowboys, we're all saying? 
Can I get some head 100. nods from Tom and Tony or yeses? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So we all agree with that. So then we all believe then that the second round, the divisional round, will be that NFC West matchup and the Cowboys will play the other division winner, which would either be the Green Bay Packers or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That game, depending on how things shake out, obviously could be on the road, could be at AT&T Stadium, just never know. But that being said, Aiden, I come back to you. Who would you rather than win the NFC West in the sense, I know you already said the Arizona Cardinals, because we would want whoever wins the NFC West to lose that game so that the Cowboys could host the NFC Championship game. So is that why you're saying the Cardinals? Because you think the Rams would beat them in that round? That's exactly why. I see the Rams as being a better team than the Cardinals. I think they have a better defense and a more efficient offense. Maybe not a better offense, but it's definitely highly efficient. So I'd see the Rams beating the Cardinals, and that's why I'm rooting for the Cardinals to win the division. Tom, then I'll kick it, it to you in this way. Would you rather host the Rams in the NFC Championship game or visit the Arizona Cardinals in the NFC Championship game? Oh, I've, In that case, I think I'd almost rather visit the Arizona Cardinals because I think they're a little bit more hollow than the Rams are right now, You know, especially after the Rams once again pushed all the chips into the middle of the table with Von Miller. Uh, so, yeah, I... I I would rather face the Cardinals in the playoffs in any fashion, I think, than the Rams. I'm not saying the Cowboys wouldn't have a chance against the Rams because right now I think they have a chance against anybody in the league in the playoffs. But I think the Cardinals would be an easier game for them just because I think the the Cardinals are not quite as strong. Tony, obviously the Cowboys-Cardinals game could play a factor there. And if we're talking about the NFC Championship game, that game would have been about a month before, a month and a half, that Week 17 game. How do you feel? Would you, you know, do you you see it shaking out this way? You know, we're about halfway through the season. Would you rather visit the Cardinals or host the Rams? I mean, again, if, if if you visit the Rams, you have the opportunity to match the Buccaneers of last year and win the NFC. Oh, no, you could beat the Buccaneers. You could win the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl in the same building, which the Buccaneers did not do last year. I, you know, I think Aiden kind of hit it on the on the head here. I mean, um, Aiden and Tom, really. I mean, I'd rather go to Arizona and face them. I think the Rams are a more complete team. I think what Aiden said about Arizona being like a more explosive offense, I think the the Rams offense is just steady, right? They can they can bleed you to death, and their defense is obviously legit, and they just got better with, you know, the adding of Von Miller. So I think the Rams – we've all kind of had our eye on the Rams this whole year and kind of how it shakes out. So you're telling me if I'm going to have a home game against the Rams, I'd rather take my chances in Arizona against that team. And because we kind of saw what, you know, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, but they, they went in there with a whole host of issues and was able to come out with a win. And I mentioned this last week on the round table. I wanted to see that. I wanted to see an Arizona team kind of get stung a little bit in an opportunity. It's like, this is a big game. We should win this game. Everything is in falling in our favor, and they still lost. So I wonder how they're going to bounce back from that. And I just think uh, the Rams are just a more complete team. Mm. Aiden, what's the better story? Like, if, if you can be guaranteed a Cowboys win, what's the more satisfying win? Because we're all saying we'd rather see the Cowboys play the Cardinals, but isn't the Rams, the especially beating Matthew Stafford, the Highland Park guy, Sean McVay, like, that would be a little bit more juicy, I think. I think so, just because the Rams have – sold in for this year after the trade for von miller they're i mean even their social media account whoever runs it tweeted like we're in for this year this is it and so being able to a beat sean McVay, a coach that everybody's praises as being the best coach in the nfl and then yeah 
be beating a Dallas guy, I don't know. It would just be very satisfying knowing that they're probably not going to be, at least they're not going to, this is their best season in a while to win. And if the Cowboys can get it done against them, you walk into the Super Bowl with a good amount of confidence. Tom, I've mentioned before the story arc that would be at play if the Cowboys were to go to Green Bay in the divisional round, beat Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy returns. I mean, it would it would be incredible. I mean, the, the DVD would sell it. I don't know if DVDs are a thing anymore. I mean, maybe it's like the, the straight to streaming option, whatever. Uh, we all have to have a billion different streaming platforms now. But, uh, Tom, um, a big reason that the NFL is back and therefore that the Super Bowl and what would subsequently be the NFC Championship game is in Los Angeles is because of Jerry Jones. I mean, like, it would be kind of incredible poetry if the Cowboys broke their drought in Los Angeles in terms of winning the NFC Championship game, winning the Super Bowl. I mean, again, we're, we're really, you know, getting picking and choosing the things we want here and, and dressing it up the way we want. But tell me that that doesn't, you know, make your heart flutter a little bit, Tom. I'm more interested in, A, not playing in Green Bay, and B, in getting at least the number two seed, because don't forget, all these other contenders in the uh, seeding have some tough games still ahead of them. Arguably, they all have tougher games facing them than the Cowboys do at this point. As, as, as you pointed out, the next five games, every team has had something happen in the past few days that makes it a little bit harder for them going forward. You know, the Broncos traded off Von Miller. The The Raiders had the tragedy with the Rugs. And, you know, you've just got all these things that are, are giving the Cowboys an easier way to keep the wins piling up, while the other teams, you know, they should all have a couple of losses coming down the pike. Uh, at this point. So to me, that's my thing. I want to find what's the path to get the Cowboys at least to the number two seed and hopefully to the number one seed. Tom spoken like a true optimist, Tony, opposite of your total life disposition. Uh, Kevin's comment, really opposing your thoughts and beliefs, Tony, doesn't matter. We're not going anywhere to play a playoff game. We are going to have home field advantage. You think, I mean, how, how like, just throw a percent out, Tony, you think that the Cowboys are the one seed? You, when we started this, I'm, I'm the one who, you know, got smoked <laughs> because I said we were going to go 13 and four. When we made our season predictions over at bloggingtheboys.com, I said 13 and four, and I was the highest of all the staff. So Mr. Pessimist was high on them. I'm still high on them. I just worry day to day. But I think based on my, you know, what I early thought was 13, 13 and four, I think there is a chance. I mean, we're going to have things have to bounce our way and they're going to have to stay consistent. And like you said, as, as much as we don't want to worry for that next loss, the next loss is going to come and we got to figure out a way to, you know, the weather that storm and to bounce back. And, but yes, there is a chance. And, you know, I'm done questioning this team at this point. Mm, well said. Aiden, uh, it was your first round table that was magnificent. Is there any other thought that if you don't get off your chest right now, you will not be able to sleep tonight? You kind of have to have no. one now. That's kind of the point. <laughs> okay. So, so, um, no, I don't think I have anything. Okay. I'm going to let everybody good. down. Yep. Mm. Life is great. Um, respect. Um, okay. 
everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Tony is on Twitter at Tony underscore Catalina. Aiden is on Twitter at Aiden1214. Tom is on Twitter at Tom Ryle BTB. You can read all of their fantastic work at bloggingtheboys.com. I get emotional talking about the site. Uh, has nothing to do with swallowing wrong right there. Um, and uh, we'll definitely have that graphic available for you on social media shortly as well. So check out Blogging the Boys on Twitter. Tom, the final words, they can be as many as you want. I know you hate the one-word limit. You get one sentence, Tom, to send us off into the, the evening. What's it going to be? It's got to be the best sentence any human has ever said. Go ahead. What is TikTok? We'll see you next week, everybody. <laughs>